0: What's up guys? Before we start today's show, I wanted to dedicate this episode to Fresno County Sheriff's Deputy Eric John Tellen. In August of 2001, on this date, the 21st, he was gunned down and killed in Dunlap. To the late Deputy Tellen and
1: to his family, you're always in my thoughts and prayers and a moment of silence for you.
0: So I sat down with Mike, and uh, we got a chance to talk about uh, jujitsu and PTSD and his journey through it, and a little history about Mike. He's retired uh, Fresno Police Department, and you'll hear a little bit about that in our conversation. But uh, Mike's just the nicest guy. Um, really, really a pleasure to have him on the show. And uh, here you go. And we're up and running, episode nine, of part two of PTSD inactivity with the great and powerful Doctor Jennifer Price Sharps.
1: that's so funny
0: so uh, before we get to mike's interview uh, i want to talk to you a little bit about ptsd and activity and uh, with mike it's jujitsu and a very physical contact sport so first off what are the benefits to doing something physical in regards to ptsd
1: oh my goodness there are so many uh, perks for doing that first of all it just gets you up and moving so that's going to help you physically it's going to help you sleep better because you're moving your body around and getting tired um it also you know we have lymph glands and that kind of thing and they have found for health that that needs to move and so a lot of times with ptsd people get depressed and then they just sit uh so they their system isn't kind of cleansing itself and, and moving things through. So. But also, you know, you just sleep more soundly when you've worked out. And, uh, and you burn off some of the extra adrenaline that you tend to get with PTSD. So.
0: Hmm. Um, oftentimes with sports and um, athletic activities, you start to kind of build this community sense. Um, I know that's something very important for first responders and military because that's basically what their whole um, organization is built off of, community and brotherhood and sisterhood. So what's the importance of that?
1: Well, I think especially as people are transitioning out or they're out for a period of time, um, Building that community, those other relationships is really important. I know a lot of people uh, with PTSD, they talk about how they start to avoid people, you know, from the department. They just, you know, because it triggers them. And so if they start building a whole nother community, they have a safe place to be. Uh, They have people that are talking about all kinds of things that have nothing to do with job. Uh, they have distraction and they have good friendships and so some of the healthiest uh, first responders and vets that I know are people that have friends outside of the community that they have worked in and I'm not saying you can't be friends with those people as well obviously you are but I also think when things go wrong or you've had some bad uh, events that being in a completely different location with different people under different circumstances is very healthy, allows the mind to calm down, allows the mind to start focusing on something positive, and just starts to help that brain begin to demand.
0: So Mike also talks about how jiu-jitsu is a good distraction. It takes his mind on to an area where he just doesn't think about anything but himself and what he's doing with his craft. So what's the benefit of that?
1: Well, one of the problems with PTSD is people keep going back over and over old events. And so if you can get somebody to refocus their brain on other things that are positive... And fun and they feel empowered because at the at the base of PTSD is a feeling of disempowerment I shoulda woulda coulda kind of things and so if you're in the moment and you feel like you're doing something that's productive and you're doing a good job at it that's all about empowerment and so Helping shift that focus so that the system begins to calm down, get the adrenaline load down, cool the system off, and also allow the brain some time to begin to recalibrate rather than going over and over and thinking about it, sitting on the couch, reviewing what's all the bad things that have happened it gets the brain away from that and gives it a rest it's kind of like when people are studying for an exam i tell them okay but you got to take a break you can't just sit there for eight hours you got to have a break from the same kind of thing
0: mike talks about how jujitsu gave him a sense of humbleness that you know he has to respect every opponent uh, opponent in front of him he also says that it gave him a lot of confidence um what's this a, what's a mixed martial art like jujitsu how is that beneficial for uh first responders who have gone through ptsd
1: well again you have that disempowerment that comes from ptsd i think one of the problems is again we don't talk about the brain as being something that can break and we also don't talk about the brain as something that can heal and so It's very scary for people when their brain starts doing things that they don't understand. It's like probably the most common thing that I hear is, why am I sitting here watching a TV commercial and bursting into tears? What is the matter with me? Am I crazy? What's going on with me? No, your brain has just had too much for too long and it needs a break. And so I think mixed martial arts is a great way to get that break. First of all, when you're in the middle of a competition you can't be thinking about anything else but what's going on right then and so again that changes the focus and like you said you know it's it starts to rebuild the confidence that very often starts to go away with ptsd and so helping that person rebuild who they are and the confidence in their own body and in their own brain
0: why does that confidence go away is it based off of what you see or Uh, looking back on decisions you made uh, within that incident?
1: That's a great question. I think there's a number of reasons. I think one of the most profound reasons is exactly what you said. Why didn't I? If only I could have, would have, should have. Even if they know there was no chance, because we lay that at the feet of first responders, you're out there to save us. I mean, that's kind of the message that they get. And so when they did everything right and things still went wrong, so many of them still second guess themselves. Well, if I had done this, could I have gotten there, you know, that kind of thing. But I think also, when your brain starts acting in ways that you're not used to, and you feel like you don't have control over it, all of a sudden, you're having flashbacks, or you're reliving it, and you can't get your mind off of it. It feels very out of control and very frightening to people. And, unfortunately, what we've taught people to do is not talk about it. It's like, oh, my gosh, I feel, I feel like my brain is just all over the place, so I can't tell anybody because then they'll think I'm crazy, and then I don't want anybody to think that, you know. So then by the time, like I said many times, by the time they come to me or another psychologist, they're really broken, and it takes more time to get them healed, you know. So I think that is a very scary thing, and that really erodes confidence.
0: Uh, Mike talks about an incident where um, he was trying to talk this guy into basically not committing suicide and the guy decided to pull the trigger and uh, killed himself. Um, he talks about looking back on the incident and thinking about things that he could have done better. When someone's kind of going through that wormhole, how do you fix that? How do you get yourself out of that type of thing?
1: You know, the it, we have a conflict in that we tell them we want them to go out and fix everything. But the reality is there's only so much you can fix. People are going to do what they're going to do. And they're going to make the decisions that they make. And they may decide to hurt themselves. They may decide to hurt other people. And... There's a limit. It's almost like being a parent. You know, there's a limit to what we can do with our kids. The kids are going to do what they're going to do, especially as they get older. You know, they have their own path that they're walking. Well, that's true with the citizens and the community. Um, They're making those decisions. And a lot of times, law enforcement or fire or whoever else, EMTs, vets, it doesn't really matter. We're not in control of other people, and we have very limited control over other people. So, I, you know, for people that have walked through something like that, uh, I'm going to take this from my FTO, my field training officer. He said, you do the best job you can do, and then you drive away when you're done, and then you're done, and you don't look back. Because the only thing you can do is do the best job that you can do. And if everything still goes sideways, it goes sideways. Mm-hmm.
0: For that first responder military person out there who's just gone through a traumatic event and they're going through PTSD and they're isolating themselves and not sure if they can get back out there and do an activity like jiu-jitsu, what's your best advice?
1: I would start slow then. If you're truly isolating, then at least go to the gym or take a walk around the block or go watch uh, a wrestling match. You know, go to a jiu-jitsu jiu- event um, you know and and slowly begin to reintroduce yourself to the world at large, because what I have found is when people start isolating, isolation builds on isolation, so first, they start isolating from friends, then they start isolating from coworkers, then they start isolating from family, and now they 're living in their own little very dark world with their own very dark thoughts and if you don 't have interruptions to those thoughts they just get darker they build on themselves and so you've got to have interruptions so even if you can't just leap and participate in jiu and sign up for it tomorrow do little steps towards that
0: awesome dr. Janet Price Sharps thank you thank you Mike thanks for coming on the show man really appreciate that uh, it, and uh, excited to have you on thanks for having me appreciate being here so why don't you give the listeners a little uh, let's start with where you're from and uh, what you're all about okay I was uh,
2: born and raised in uh, Fresno, California. Lived here the majority of my life, minus a short stint uh, in Madera, just a little bit north of Fresno. I'm uh, retired out of Fresno PD. I had 22 years service there, retiring as a sergeant, and I had five years service with uh, Madera Police Department uh, prior to Fresno. Uh, I'm now uh, residing in Fresno and uh, operating a couple small businesses. Awesome, awesome. And um,
0: with you were when you were with uh, Fresno PD uh, before we got on the air, we talked a little bit about uh, some of the things you saw um, that led to your PTSD. Uh, why don't you share that with the listeners?
2: Okay, sure. Um, uh, my PTSD uh, for the most part has to do with uh, violent death scenes and uh, some of the interactions with the family members and friends that are at those, uh, were at those events. Uh, in particular, I had, uh, and over the years, there were, there were many, uh, but in particular, I had two that kind of stand out. And a number of years ago, we stopped an individual on a traffic stop uh, that was due to a, uh, a domestic-type disturbance. And during this traffic stop, the, uh, the individual decided to uh, d- dive into his car and uh, grab a gun and take his own life so that's one of the things that contributes to mine and then uh, just prior to me uh, pulling the plug for lack of a better term uh, had an individual that was suffering either from drugs or or mental health I never got the full report in the end but uh, he was in his 20s and for whatever reason um, he took a knife to his mother and to himself and when we arrived she had just passed and uh, he was in the process of uh, passing and made some statements that he had killed the devil. And uh, for me, that was kind of the one that, uh, the scene itself was, it was a hot summer day. Uh, There was, uh, it was very, it was graphic. And uh, that's when I just decided that I think I'd had enough of this.
0: You see such, you've seen such tragic things. and someone like me couldn't even imagine saying something like that. But what goes through your head once once you're done with that with that call? You know, for the most
2: part, I was, I think I was, uh, I'm in the generation that was trained right, and you you try to deal with whatever thoughts or questions you have when you're done, and then you try to try to put that to bed. As opposed to years ago, from what I understand, uh, they they would leave the call and uh, they would shut the suitcase and not really think about it again, and then years later this stuff would all resurface. Uh, For me, to give an example on the individual who who decided to uh, take his own life on the traffic stop, Um, I was the one that was talking to him when he decided to uh, jump in the car and grab his gun. We did everything we could to to stop that from happening, Um, just right down to the way I was talking to him, the manner I was talking to him. uh, and, uh, and then using some force options that we had to try to stop him, but none of them worked. So on that case, um, I spent a little time looking back, uh, critiquing myself, asking myself, uh, did I did I say the right things? How was my demeanor towards him? Uh, if if I was that person, um, would I find the person on the other end um, comforting? You know, could have been done any differently. And, kind of a self-evaluation. And uh, uh actually at the end of the day felt fine with everything I had done, but that's one of the things I would do uh after the call. During the call, I was a supervisor, so uh you're looking in on your 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 uh, your partner officers, you're making sure that everybody is uh is okay there, you know. And you know, it's you you have to deal with it on your own, but then there's other things that come into play. An example is that was considered a, uh, an in-custody death. So uh, what a lot of people don't realize is you know, a few days later we're sitting in front of a, uh, a homicide uh, investigator and a DA investigator, they're reading you your rights and they're asking you questions, which is just standard procedure, but we've all seen those cases where they don't go well. Hmm. So there's a lot that goes into it, but that's what I do. On the other incident, you know, we got there after everything Uh, But again, it's it's just kind of a, uh, for me, it was a, you get used to it until you step outside or maybe stop. uh, For me, when I left law enforcement, you look back and you go, that just, that wasn't normal dealing with that. Although there's men and women who do it every day, you get used to it until you kind of separate yourself from it. Uh, So I
0: try to always look at it afterwards, um, deal with it, and then put it away. Um, so when was it that you realized that uh, you know you might have been think that these things were a little different than normal day-to-day life and that you may needed to see someone or or get some help
2: it was a few years um, after the uh, the traffic stop matter that uh, I actually um, began talking to somebody and it's like anything you know if you fall down you break your arm you go see the doctor to get your arm fixed and uh, well let me back up there when when I was in Madeira uh, for five years as a as a youngster I started there at 20. Um, I actually saw in the beginning there um, I saw a lot more death there than in Fresno I didn't start seeing de- a lot of death again in Fresno until I was a sergeant and the reason being is uh, it's just more spread out but once you're a supervisor then you're gonna be on the calls when I left Madeira and came to Fresno and didn't see that every day i would see shootings every day but necessarily wasn't somebody that was was passing Hmm. when uh so when i wasn't seeing it as much because in madera i was on some special units and we went to the autopsies and stuff once i wasn't seeing that on a regular basis i realized wow that had a little bit of an effect on me that i didn't realize uh and you know you put it away and you go on with business and then again later as, as i promoted started being around a little more again and uh so I just decided to talk to somebody just mainly to uh double check everything. Uh
0: so how was it that you came across uh Dr. Jane Price Sharps?
2: You know I I came across
0: her because she
2: had done she was a for a while she was the uh, uh she was uh, tied in with the Fresno Police Department. She did some trainings and some other things and I met her and I liked her. And uh so uh it was it was easy. It was an easy choice to go over there. Also I, for a while i worked at a uh, internal affairs unit and she had an office next door so i'd see her in passing or what have you so i always felt comfortable talking with her um so that that was an easy choice
0: um so the reason why we have you on the show um other than the fact that you've ex law enforcement and that uh you know you've you've seen some things is that you found a great way to deal with it and uh before we talked before we started airing we talked about how life-changing it was and it's jiu-jitsu. So how did you get into that? How did you find jujitsu?
2: You know, I found jiu-jitsu. Um, actually, I, uh, I was training um, self-defense class, a, a type of kung fu class, and we were training out of a, a jiu-jitsu gym. And the owner of that gym at the time um, knew that I was in law enforcement, and he offered a free class and asked me to put it out to other law enforcement people. So he did a free class with about 15 or so uh, law enforcement officers and out of the 15 uh, I was the one that signed up but it was uh it was interesting to me because I had done boxing and kickboxing and karate and kung fu and a lot of other things but jiu-jitsu was a little more uh hands-on you know when you box or do something like that and kickboxing and karate they all have their benefits but uh, but in jiu-jitsu it's it's when you spar you're actually going full speed and uh, to me, I just got a little more out of it. Plus, at the time, I could, I could use jujitsu a little more in my, uh, uh, in my uh, law enforcement duties. It uh, it was a little cleaner and looked a lot better putting a joint lock on somebody than say punching somebody, especially in today's, in today's world. You know, there's times that law enforcement has to uh, punch somebody. It's totally justifiable. However. When people see that 30-second clip on the news, or sometimes it's only 10 or 15, and they see two or three people punching somebody that's down on the ground, um, it lo- it looks violent. And uh, an arm bar or a uh, control hold with the wrist or something of that uh, nature uh, doesn't look so bad. Hmm. So,
0: yeah. so that's how I got into it recently it's funny you say that uh, that's what i was thinking about before we started uh, airing the show is that uh, i i watch a lot of live pd on a and e i'm not sure if you're familiar with that but uh you can tell the difference between the guys who are just you know they have just the uh, mm. for lack of a better term regular training they use the punches they use the choke holds whatnot right and then the guys who have jujitsu jitsu experience and it's just a whole different it looks different it looks like you said it looks a lot better it looks a lot cleaner um and it some sometimes seems a little more effective too It it definitely is. Uh, I have a funny story on that. We were in uh, Vegas
2: last year in August for a a huge tournament called the uh, Masters Worlds, and it's one of the biggest uh, jiu-jitsu tournaments there is. It's for everybody 30 and over. And uh, we were done competing and everything, and and a group of us, including my my instructor, who's a black belt, and his instructor, who's a secondary black belt from Brazil, the birthplace of uh, modern jiu-jitsu, we were over on the old strip having a hamburger, and uh the restaurant was full of jujitsu people i mean the table next to us you know you can just tell by the shirts or the look and we start we didn't know them but we started talking they were into jujitsu well at the same time there's a confrontation between a uh, a customer that had been asked to leave and the security and the security was a pretty big guy and the customer was average size and uh, the customer was was up in security's face nose to nose and i could tell by looking at the security guard he was he was nervous, He wasn't sure what was gonna go on, he wasn't confident. And they were kinda of nose-to-nose circling each other. And uh, the table I was at uh, and the table next to us started to get up to just go see if uh, any help was needed. And before we walked over there, a, uh, a guy came out of the, the office area, smaller guy, grabs a customer, takes him down to the ground, has him face down, doesn't punch him or kick him, just takes him down. And uh, he's what we call mounted. He's sitting on him, uh, a knee on each side, and uh, he's very loosely applying uh, what a lot of people know as a rear naked choke. And uh, we see this, and as a matter of fact, my professor asked him, hey, where do you train? And he says, oh, I train at such-and-such Gracie School. And, uh, you know, so there's a good example of, you know, the, the, the larger guy was definitely not sure of himself security, and here comes this guy in the kitchen, and he takes care of business no punches were thrown. Nothing happened. They waited for uh, Metro to come take mm-hmm. the guy off, and that was the end of it.
0: Yeah. And so it was. It was interesting. You know. That's the common thing you hear about Jujitsu. We, we were talking about it a little before is that it just it gives you. I heard it just gives you a lot of confidence in everything you do.
2: It gives you confidence, and it's very humbling.
0: Uh, give you myself. I,
2: when I stepped in foot uh, foot into the gym. Uh, at that time, I had been in law enforcement twenty three years. Uh, You know, in law enforcement, our mentality is we can't lose. If you you lose, you don't go home. And so I stepped in there, and I was was pretty confident in my abilities. I'm usually able to talk to people, but if not, I I have the karate and some other backgrounds. Uh, But I also realized there's always somebody better than you. But anyways, and jujitsu has its rules, but a lot of it can be applied to the street. I had a uh, 17-year-old high school senior in my first class uh, take control of me and tap me out. And you talk about a humbling experience. So we always uh, use the term, uh, you know, leave your ego at the door. Learned that from one of my first instructors, a great guy. And uh, leave your ego at the door, come to train. Uh, but that equates into the real world because you never know out who out there has more training or what have you. And I go to some of these professional jujitsu events, and um, you'll see somebody bump into somebody and they spill their soda, beer, whatever it is on somebody else. And uh, I have yet to see, uh, and it, it does happen, but I have yet to see a confrontation. Usually it's, oh, hey, sorry, no big deal, uh, because there's just a lot of mutual respect out there and stuff. Hmm. Uh, but it does give you confidence, because you know if you're dealing with something that with the the, the majority of the people, you're going to be able to take care of yourself,
0: hmm. you know, for the most part. So how do you train for jujitsu? jitsu You, you kind of t- touched on it a little bit, but uh, so is it just, it's sparring the whole time, or how does that work?
2: No, uh, most schools <clears throat>
0: will uh, they'll do
2: a first part of the class will be instructions. So they'll teach a new move, um, you know, either a a, a takedown, or uh, maybe a move. Uh, once you are down, how to take control of the, the back and get to the rear naked choke or some other type of submission technique. And uh, usually you'll do that for twenty to thirty minutes. And there's usually a whole series. Like a lot of times, it's here's a takedown. Once you get them down, you're in this position. Now we'll teach you how to take this arm and get a submission there. And then once that happens, the tail end of the class is usually either gonna be um, sparring where they'll match you up with different people. And you go for, uh, we do three minute rounds and five minute rounds. Or sometimes we do what's called situational training. So the difference being uh, in a situational training, uh, maybe you st- maybe I'm gonna start uh, with somebody uh, that has uh, that has my back, and I have to get out of it. Whereas sparring, we just start, you know, on our feet and or knees or what have you. Um, and uh, that's that's a typical class. And then most schools have a beginners class, which is a lot more instruction um, and a little less sparring. Most most quality schools won't let anybody spar until three to four months in because they have to have a little bit of a background. And then, uh, then there's intermediate and advanced classes where it's a lot, maybe it's a uh, fewer techniques for those classes, but a little more advanced. And then we get right to the uh, the sparring. And then depending on the week, like this week at my school is a big week. There's a, uh, a Fresno tournament this weekend. And it's the first time that this organization's come to Fresno, it's one of the biggest ones in the world. So everybody's geared up for that. And you have to know when you're going in during a tournament week that uh some of the some of the uh, practitioners get very serious and so used to be a little more intense training that week on the sparring than other weeks, hmm. you know. Hmm.
0: So what has training jujitsu, what has that done for your post traumatic stress disorder? You know, jujitsu, uh
2: even before I left law enforcement, uh when there's the when there's stressors going on, um once you step on the mat, uh for the most part, everything leaves you because you're concentrating on what you're doing. And especially when you go to sparring, it's a little more, you, you need to be in the moment. Or if somebody's going to take your, your arm, they're going to take your neck. And now, and we don't, there's a saying we have, which is um, in jujitsu, you you tap when somebody has, a, has you trapped. They have a hold on you. And there's a saying that you learn right away if you go to a good school, which is, um, tap to the position, not the pain. So what that means is somebody might get me in an armbar position, and I'm going to fight it till there's no way out of it. But once there's no way out of it, I'm not going to wait till it hurts. I'm going to tap early. And then, same thing. My training partners, uh, we take care of each other. You know, nobody's there trying to wrench that arm or anything like that. Um, so, uh, so once you step on the mat, everything kind of leaves you because you're you're concentrating on that and. You know, if you're like me, you don't like to you don't like to get tapped. You don't like to lose. It does happen um, a lot, and you know that. But still, you want to be in the moment, and everything just kind of leaves. and I, And I've I've had jujitsu in my life, going through my retirement, um, and uh, while I was working, uh, while I went through some family things uh, here recently, uh, through uh, a loss of a family member, and uh, another one battling cancer and stuff, and um, it's just something that once you're on the mat, that's what you're focused on, and so um, that's for whatever whatever's going on in my life. When I step on the mat for an hour or two, that kind of leaves, with the exception of any you know physical pains you have. I have a few things I'm fighting, and those act up a little bit, but uh, all all the stress is is gone.
1: Hmm.
0: So yeah. Glad to have you on the show because it's the second episode we've done where uh, we talk about different activities that people could do for post-traumatic stress disorder. We had Joe talk about art, and uh, he kind of describes the same thing, that it's a way to, for him, his art was a way to express the way he was feeling, but it's also, for lack of a better term, a distraction and to get his mind off of things. And that's kind of the toughest part in in talking to most people is that it's it's tough not to think about it, and it's tough to get your mind in, in a place where, you can start focusing on getting better and focusing on other things, so. Um. Yeah, absolutely, it it, it it does that. And then um, there's a different culture
2: in Jiu Jitsu. You know, they become a second family, and they really do. Um, you get very close with everybody. Uh, at least, you know, where I train right now, nobody's excluded. If it's somebody's birthday and we'll go to dinner, we show up and we're like, hey, we have a seat for 30 people. And uh, so it's a, it's a social outlet as well. Hmm. And, uh, um, I found this odd, you know, you get very close to some people in law enforcement and, uh, not so close to others. And, uh, in jujitsu, um, I'm actually closer with most of the people I train with than I was with the, uh, the law enforcement people, which is, uh, I never thought that would be the case, you know?
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's a little odd to hear that because most law enforcement i mean that's a tight-knit community right those are your right. brothers and not to yeah so that's interesting it just goes to show you how how tight that jiu-jitsu community must be yeah no it really is yeah. it's um
2: and i have some guys there that are in law enforcement and so then there's a there's a second bond there but uh yeah that that surprised me over the years because when we step on the mat we're stepping on the mat uh there's there's a couple guys i train with that uh are surgeons There's guys that are mechanics, there's guys that are welders, Hmm. uh, guys and girls, they're students. And once you're on the mat, it doesn't matter what the other person does. Uh, We're just doing jiu-jitsu.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, where do you train out of? So I train out of rivalry
2: jiu-jitsu in Fresno over at uh, Shaw Maroa. I train under uh, Victor Cervantes, uh, who's a great guy. And then he trains under uh, Tiago Hocha out of Brazil. And I didn't start there, I started another school which was a great school as well. Uh, for me, I, when I left law enforcement within a year, um, I don't know, I just felt that I had kind of reached a peak and so I was, in the back of my mind I was considering leaving Jiu Jitsu, but in the front of my mind I, I knew I never actually would so I, I wanted to try something different. And um, the place I used to train was was really good and I had a close family there um it was a little more street related stuff maybe mm-hmm. and uh anyways i went to rivalry and uh i found a new home and, and i still keep in touch with a lot of guys i trained with at my old place but uh rivalry for me has been a really good change
0: good place to train so. would rivalry be a good place for uh you know lawn people who are currently in law enforcement and listening to this podcast would that be a good place for them to go learn jiu jitsu uh, oh absolutely yeah i I, I highly recommend it. We have I think we have two or three
2: guys in law enforcement that train out of there now and, and uh, they have a, a rivalry has a nice uh, layout of classes. Uh, they have a morning class every day of the week and then evening classes and classes on Saturdays. so it helps out if you're working uh, different shift work and stuff you can still find a class that works for your needs.
0: Awesome, yeah, and for the listeners, we'll go. We'll go ahead and put uh, the link up to their website on our Facebook page, so you guys can take a look at that and uh, uh, see what it's all about. But uh, Mike, you also have an event coming up that you're hosting, correct? I do. Yes, uh, grappling
2: of the badges. It's going to be October thirteenth in uh, Hanford at the uh, Hanford Civic Auditorium, and it is um, submission only jujitsu for law enforcement, fire, military medics, dispatchers, um, and past and present. So vets, current law enforcement, retired, what have you. And uh, that's doing really well. We uh, we have just under 100 people signed up. We're working on our 28th match. We want to have about 35. Uh, we're still taking uh, people because we still have a lot of people who don't have an opponent because it's you have to match them up based on their belt, their, uh, their age bracket, and their weight. Hmm. But uh, this is our first event. It's the first of many. We already scheduled the second for February. And then after that, we plan on going to the San Jose and the uh, L.A. area, maybe San Diego, and then maybe after that out of state. Why Grappling of the Badges? What inspired you to put this event together? You know, I started thinking about this a number of years ago. And uh, I used to box. And uh, there's there's a great organization called Battle of the Badges where they do a lot of boxing, and it's all law enforcement, uh, fire, and military. And uh, it was just something I was thinking about. And once I uh, got out on my own and got retired, had a little more time on my hands, I started looking at it a little closer. And so uh, I did a little advertising on social media, and uh, the response has been overwhelming. Um, we have people signed up for our first one. We have two people flying in from Hawaii, um, two from New York, three from Texas one from Arizona and uh, it seems like there's a lot of people waiting for this to happen mm-hmm. so I just thought uh, there's a lot of people who box I think there's as many or more people who do jiu Jitsu let's see what we what we can do yeah and uh, that's that's what made me think about it and uh, we're, we're gonna have championship belts so it's a little different it's actually gonna kind of somewhat uh, be a league and so these guys can win guys and girls can win a belt and they'll hold that until they either promote up to their next jiu Jitsu belt or until they lose it in a competition or they forfeit it. Hmm. So and we're gonna give back. Uh, we've we've donated to a few things already, uh, sponsored a few events, and uh, we're gonna uh, we are definitely going to give back to the community uh, maybe some type of fund with uh, families that lose either uh, their law enforcement or their fire or military spouse or something like that. Um, we'll have to see how the events go and what we can do, but we're going to do something.
0: That's awesome. And um, for the listeners out there who want to check this out, buy ticket, buy tickets or sign up, where can they go do that at?
2: So you can go to grapplingofthebadges.com. It explains a lot about it. Tickets are going to go on sale in the next two weeks. And uh, it gives you information about uh, what the events are, what we're looking for, that type of thing. We're also on Facebook, we're on Instagram, uh, but we have a nice website up and there's a lot of information there.
0: Yeah, it's awesome because I think it's awesome you can buy tickets and it's an event like that because if you're just someone like me who's curious about jiu-jitsu and, and want to learn more, I think it'd be a good opportunity to go out there and then watch some rounds and check it out. It's a great it's a great way to do that. Mike, what's your advice for anybody who wants to get into jiu-jitsu or just any activity to help with their post-traumatic stress disorder? You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of
2: doing anything physical uh, to help. Uh, jiu-jitsu, by far. I would. A lot of times people want to wait until they're the perfect weight. They want to lose 20 pounds, or they don't think they can handle it. Um, go try it. They're going to put you in a beginner's class. You can handle the cardio in a beginner's class. You're going to like it. Uh, so many times people get into it, and that's when they start just getting in a lot better shape. You know, I carry some extra weight, but I, I train hard, and, and uh, uh, my health is... Pretty good, uh, because of how I trained. Uh, but the biggest problem is getting people to step foot inside. Once they do, uh, it's probably going to grab you. There's there's a saying I didn't come up with it. Uh, it was given to me by many people, but it is uh, Jiu-Jitsu will change your life. And so, uh, for me, that's a great outlet. Um, I liked boxing. I just got tired of getting hit in the nose. <laughs> so uh, Jiu-Jitsu was was uh, for me that was a thing. So my my advice would be. <clears throat> Go try
0: class. Get in the door. And uh, one thing I ask everybody who comes on the show: what's your what's your best advice for someone who's going through the thick of PTSD right now? You have to have somebody that you can talk to that is
2: um, neutral. And a lot of people think, well, I'm going to talk to my spouse or I'm going to talk to my best friend. Well, they may number one, they may not have any idea what PTSD is. Uh, You need a professional. You need somebody who understands it. I was fortunate. Um, Dr. Jana Price-Sharps, um, you know, she worked with law enforcement. She knew uh, what it was. She knew what I was going through. And being able to talk to her, there's things I would tell her that I wouldn't share with other people. You don't want to be a burden or, or anything like that. And so you talk to somebody, and then that takes care of it. And it's to me, that's easier. It doesn't put a strain on your other relationships. So um and just keep stay focused um uh just remember there's uh you know whatever whatever level you're at um there's always tomorrow and uh the sun's gonna come up tomorrow and you just have to find a way to concentrate on things that uh, uh help you see that and uh keep a positive outlook So,
0: awesome mike and one more time let's give uh the audience uh social media for grappling of the badges and company 21 and all that stuff
2: yes uh grappling of the uh also instagram and facebook grappling of the badges and then uh company 21 jiu-jitsu uh, com, and again also facebook pages of company 21 jiu-jitsu instagram uh, and we also run the fresno fight store which is also there is no dot com there but it's under facebook and instagram as well awesome so i My- hope to see
0: you there Mike, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Chandler, for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. Uh, Next episode will be out in a few weeks. Remember to like us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, at PTSD underscore hole. See you guys later.